0: Good morning, River Valley Church. How are you guys feeling this morning? You guys feeling good? Man, can you believe it? Christmas is already over. Man, I think it's so interesting that when we think about Christmas and the Christmas season, we build all of this anticipation, all of this excitement. We look forward to the presents we're buying. We put up the Christmas tree, all the decorations, the family coming into town or the travels as we go and see our family elsewhere. And there's all of this anticipation to Christmas. And then all of a sudden, an hour later, the presents are opened. You've had the Christmas morning breakfast and all of a sudden Christmas Is over. And what's so, what I find so interesting about it is that, uh, man, some people just get so antsy about they can't wait for Christmas to be over so they can put everything away and wait a whole nother year until they put it up quick and put it away. Is there anybody in here? You've already put away your Christmas decorations this year. The tree is gone. A few of you. Yeah. And then there's, I know there's a few of you out there. You keep that inflatable snowman up year long because you don't want to go outside, take down the lights, put all this stuff away. So thank you that we get to drive by that every day. And, uh, but for the rest of us that put our we put our our christmas decorations out put them we put them away eventually what's so interesting is that the the season of christmas it's a season of joy there's excitement there's anticipation but when we put away the decorations and we move on a lot of times we think that we have to put away the the joy too we we put the joy away just like we put the decorations away and I, we're in this series, All About Joy, this Christmas series right now, All About Joy. Pastor Anthony, he's currently braving the elements of the Australian summer, so you can be praying for him. I know he's probably having a hard time right now in Australia, and uh, oh, he he's really given us the privilege. Uh, Pastor Sean preached for the 9 a.m. service. I have the opportunity to encourage you guys this morning in this message uh, for the 11 a.m., and then Pastor Portia and Clinton will be preaching for our 5 p.m. service, along with all all the other campuses, we have communicators preaching this Sunday morning. And I just want to give a thanks to them. Um, can we just give thanks? I know they're not here right now, but to Pastor Rob Hester, Anthony, for the leadership that they give to our campus. And as we're finishing this Christmas series about joy, what I'm going to be talking to, uh, to you about this morning is that joy is not seasonal. It's eternal. Joy is not seasonal, it's eternal. So I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to tell them, what is your favorite season? Like seasons, fall, winter, spring, whatever. Tell them your favorite season. All right, all right. You have like 10 seconds to do that. So you should have gotten that out by now. All right, hey, bring it back up to the front. Let's put up that first picture. I need everyone to participate. Raise your hand if fall is your favorite season. All right, all of you raising your hand, that means you love bonfires and marshmallows and you love raking leaves where you have 25 bags in front of your house and then we can't drive through the street because you put them way too far into the middle of the road, all right? Now, fall to me represents in life, in life there's seasons. Fall to me represents a season of change. Everything's changing. You're, you're leaving what was beginning and, and you're getting ready for something new that's coming. Fall represents a season of change, and many times in our life, we go through a fall season where our jobs change, relationships change, health changes, uh, things that are happening internally, emotionally change, our outward circumstances change. Now, I want to see the next group. who here, let's put up the next one love spring. Who loves spring? All right? A few of you out there. So, man, spring to me is like Minnesota turns into one big marsh. It's just a bunch of mud, right? And spring represents really a season in life of new beginnings. And so often in life, we go through seasons, all of us through seasons of new beginnings, new birth, new relationships, new jobs, new circumstances, whatever they may be. Now, I want you to notice as we're going through these seasons, I want you to be aware, self-aware of the fact that your emotions change based on the picture of the season that is up on the screen. Some of you get super excited about one season, I see some of you cross your arms on another. And our emotions, our happiness is constantly changing throughout these seasons. I want to put up the next one. Who here loves summer? Come on. That's like everybody, summer people out there, right? That means that we get to wear what we want, shorts, t-shirt, we're Hanging around, look, we get two weeks of summer, so everyone should like that here, right? And when you're hanging out on the lake, you got the boats, it's incredible. So Minnesota summers are amazing. And summer represents a season many of us uh, we go through. It's a season of comfort. It's a season where everything works out the way. And what my, our, you know, your, finance, your, your finances go perfectly, the job's going perfectly. You just have everything's perfect. It's so comfortable, it's good, and you just want to stay in summer all year long. But how many of you know that here in Minnesota, summer doesn't stay? It's not like, it's two weeks. And all of a sudden you got eight months of winter. Where's my winter people at? Ooh. People are like, oh, let's, we have prayer teams after service, all right? Our winter people, right? We got eight months of it, so you better love it. Winter, to me, when we're talking about life, represents seasons of hardship, Seasons where things seem to freeze and you're waiting. Pain, darkness, uncomfort, discomfort, sorry, bad grammar, sorry, discomfort. And we go through all these seasons, but I want you to notice that has nothing to do with joy. Everything we just talked about has, it's all about happiness, what we just went through. You and all of us, we are happy based off what seasons we like or what seasons we don't like. Our happiness is determined by our circumstances. But get this, joy is determined by perspective. Happiness is determined by seasons. Joy is determined by the eternal It's completely different. Joy isn't just emotional. Joy is not determined by our circumstances or seasons. Joy comes from perspective that no matter the season, here's the interesting thing is that joy, here's the perspective. Happiness sees seasons in compartments, in sections. I want you to put up this next picture. This is what joy sees. All seasons working together to make up what we call life. Life is not a season. It's a bunch of seasons where God is working through the winter, summer, spring, and fall of your life through the comfort, the discomfort, the change, and the new beginnings. And he's working it all together for something bigger than a season. He's working it for his purpose in your life, to make you holy, to make you like Jesus. So when you stand before him one day, you will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Joy is all about perspective. So how do you see life when you look at it? Because perspective is all about how you see something. It's your point of view. Joy is understanding that in the midst of whatever season you're in, God has given you life. He's formed you. He sustains you. He provides for you, that he knows you, that he saved you. And that is eternal glory waiting those who know him. And Jesus shows us how to apply perspective for living joy. And it's laid out for us in Hebrews 12. Now, here's the thing is I'm going to give you some different practical applications. So if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write these down. Jesus shows us how to mentally, within our mind, live joy out through perspective. Okay, and so we, 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 we're we gonna look at Hebrews 12, two through three. Right before Hebrews 12, we have Hebrews 11, which is the hall of faith. It's all of these people who faithfully serve God. They demonstrated a life of faith where they weren't living based off seasons or circumstances. They weren't determining their faith off of happiness, but they had a perspective on eternal things so that they were living constantly in faith and in joy. And then all of a sudden you get to Hebrews 12 where it says, therefore. And so what we're about to read is, Based off of how all these faithful people lived with faith and joy, therefore, let us look at Jesus and see how we must live like them. And so Hebrews 12, two through three, it starts with this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose high, heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Now I know right when we start off with that, as we break this down, I know many of you, maybe you've grown up in the church or you've heard that over and over and fix your eyes on Jesus. What should I do? Oh, fix your eyes on Jesus. And you're like, man, I've heard this so many times. Like it just becomes white noise. It becomes cliche. But here's the here's the thing about it. It's one thing to say, fix your eyes on Jesus. You want to know why it's cliche? Because it's true. And you want to know why it's true? Because... It actually works when you fix your eyes on Jesus. The only issue is we don't actually follow through with it. It's simple. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Now, you might be thinking, how do I fix my eyes on Jesus? What, do, what does that mean? What do I do? Everything within this verse that comes next is what you will do when you fix your eyes on Jesus and how you will live your life when you fix your eyes on Jesus. Because it's all about having the mind of Christ. How did Christ have a joy despite circumstances and seasons always maintaining joy? We are gonna look at that right now. So the first thing is this, that Jesus set joy before him. What was his joy? It was the right hand of the throne of God. So what does that mean? Here's the application, the first thing. Set eternal things Before you. Set eternal things before you. For Jesus, he set joy before him. What we read about is that he was enduring the cross. So he has the cross before him, but what Jesus does is he disciplines his perspective. He moves the cross aside and instead he puts something eternal in its place. It's his joy set before him, the right hand of the throne of God. What does the right hand of the throne of God mean to Christ? The right hand of the throne of God that was before Jesus represented his resurrection and the promise that he'd be raised to life, king of kings, Lord of lords, king of heaven and of earth, and that he would save all of humanity, that he'd be a king and a savior for you, for me, for this world. Jesus had a joy in things that were eternal. His resurrection and his authority in heaven by sitting at the right hand of the throne of God And dying on the cross and being raised to life, so he could raise you to life too, and save you, and transform you, and change you. That was his joy. It wasn't the cross, it was through the cross. He was thinking of you, He was thinking of Heavenly Father, He was thinking of eternity. So I want to ask you a question What are you living for right now? What is your perspective right now? Where are your eyes fixed? Who are you looking at? What are you living for? What is your perspective? What's your finish line? Jesus set before him his finish line of eternity, eternal things. Luke 10, 20, Jesus said, however, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The disciples were doing ministry. They came back. They're so excited by all the success. And Jesus is like, hold, time out, time out. Don't rejoice. Don't put your identity, don't put your perspective in seasons of, of triumph, seasons of success, or seasons of failure, because that's gonna go waver back and forth, back and forth. I'm challenging you, Jesus said, don't look at the seasons. Look at something that never changes. It's stable. It always remains that your name is written in the book of life in heaven, that you cannot die, but through me, I will raise you to life, forgive you of your sin, and you will spend eternity with me. Rejoice in that. That's the perspective Jesus was challenging his disciples to have. The second thing Jesus does that we need to do to have a perspective of living uh, in, in joy in all seasons is to endure. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. Joy is a journey. It's not necessarily a destination. Joy is a process of choices. Joy is a journey where you choose to have the right perspective. What if joy awaits you through the tough seasons, but because we don't endure we miss joy that's set before us. Like what if right now, some of you might be saying, I'm not joyful. In fact, I'm in, in one of the hardest seasons. What if on the, the other side of every hard season is a new season that God wants to do something new in you and he wants to change you. But the reason we don't experience joy is because we don't have the patience to endure as Jesus endured the cross. What if we need to be enduring When we, you can endure hard circumstances and seasons when you remember the eternal. See, it's a cycle. You have to set eternal things in front of you. Then as you go through the temporary seasons, whether they're good or bad, you're remembering what you set your mind on, which is eternal. It's this cycle of maintaining a perspective of joy despite the cycles of seasons that we go through. The third thing, is to consider him and what he went through so you won't grow weary and lose heart. Look, I believe there's some of you in here right now and you've lost heart. You've given up. You can put on the on the face, you can smile, you can do the handshake and the conversation, but deep down you're depressed, anxious, worrying, not happy, unsatisfied, and you're weary. You're tired. And you want to give up. You you've lost heart can I encourage you? Consider him who endured the cross and set joy before him. You see, when we consider Jesus, this is what we remember, that Jesus didn't just suffer for us, but he suffered with us. So that every time we fix our eyes on Jesus, we remind ourselves we're not alone. That season you're going through, that the emotions you're dealing with right now, yeah, your heavenly father, the one who created you, the son of the living God, knows exactly how you feel. So consider him and you'll be encouraged to not lose heart and not grow weary, but continue on. And I also want to say right there that I'm not disregarding the fact that the things you're going through are real. It's hard. The emotions are real. And I don't know what you're going through, but what I do know is that God promises us that whatever we go through, we have the same spirit that lived in Christ, allowed him to be joyful despite the seasons. And we too, no matter what's happening, we there is a promise of living in a constant perspective of joy. But I, I just wanted to, to say that I'm not disregarding the fact that some of you, you really are feeling this way. It's real emotions. And I get that. And Jesus gets it too. So consider him. I want to do an illustration to help really make this personal to you. I'm going to invite our interns from Cross. Can we put our hands together for our amazing interns? Now, I don't know about you, but whiteboards are like my love language, all right? I just love whiteboards. I don't know why. It helps me just think all the craziness that's going on in my head. I can think out loud. Hold on one sec. Love the little squeaky cap. There you go. Sorry, I'm throwing it in the crowd. All right. So I want to make this passage of Hebrews 12 real for you. Personal for you. I want you to be able to see this. All right, so uh, for some of you who are far away, as I'm doing the illustration, we're going to have pictures on the board, all right? So it says in verse two, right, fix your eyes on Jesus, right? It's the first part of, of Hebrews 12. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Now here's what's so interesting about the passage as we're going to break this down visually, is that before Jesus was the cross. The cross represents the seasons in life, the hard circumstances, the pain, the, the, the bitterness, the rejection, the sorrow. The cross represented one of the hardest seasons that any human being have ever had to go through. And for Jesus, when we talk about perspective, it's how you see, it's how you see things. It's, it's your point of view of how you see things. Now, if Jesus only saw the cross in front of him, what we're seeing right now, I don't know about you, but that's depressing. I would lose heart, I would be afraid, I would be anxious. If this is the only thing in my line of vision for life is this cross uh, 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 where I'm gonna be nailed to it, tortured on it, I don't know about you, but that's going to be a discouraging perspective. Now, it says Jesus endured the cross, but right before that it says, for the joy set before him. You see, Jesus chose to set something else before him. I wanna move so that you can see this. He chose to set joy before him, which was eternity. I have horrible handwriting. Eternity. There you go. Jesus chose to set eternity before him. What was that? It was the throne of God. It was that he's going to be the savior of all humanity, who's going to save you by dying on the cross for you, and that he was going to be resurrected and glorified as king of kings and lord of lords. That's what he fixed his eyes on. So now look at his perspective All of a sudden, the cross becomes the little thing that it is because he's fixed on something far greater, which is saving humanity, and it's being resurrected as the king of kings. So, I want everybody that right now hold up your finger. Everybody in here. I want you to look at it. Like, fix your eyes on it. We talk about fixing our eyes on Jesus, right? I want you to look at your finger. For Jesus, what was right in front of him was the cross. Torture. Nails on the wrists and feet, shedding his blood, being rejected by all of humanity. And for you, maybe today you're sitting in your chair and you look at your finger. And I want you to think, what are the seasons or the hardships that face you? Maybe for some of you, it's to go to the missions field and there's fear in front of you. Maybe for you, it's you didn't get the promotion and you're, you're trying to endure your job, but you can't stand it. Just this, the this, this thought of getting up every morning to go to work drives you nuts. Maybe it's a family member and it's breaking your heart. Maybe it's sickness, it's pain, it's, it's emotions, it's, it's emotional, it's, it's uh, social spheres, it's friend groups, whatever it might be that's in front of you. I want you to think about the circumstances you face. And now I want you to keep your finger in front of you, but I want you to look back at me. And all of a sudden, what was once so solidified in front of you, starts to fade away. And you see the greater picture. This is what it means by setting eternity in front of you. The little things in life, the promotion you didn't get, the sickness you're going through, the hardship you're going through, it fades away so you can endure through it because you have your eyes fixed on something greater. I want to share personally how this message has impacted me. Interns, if you guys can grab that, that would be great. And just be super quiet. Don't trip. There you go. <laughs> uh, this, I think God has a sense of humor because every time I'm asked to preach on a message, it's usually the thing I'm the worst at. And I've been going through a, a tough season myself. So I laughed when I heard what this was. because I'm like, man, my, in my nature, I want joy to be seasonal, but Joy is perspective. Now, for those of you who don't know who I am, I haven't even introduced myself. My name is Drake. I'm the youth pastor here. Nice to meet you. For those of you who don't know who I am, I, I have a beautiful wife named Maddie. We had a little girl named Nora six months ago. And I can't tell you how excited I was to be a dad. I mean, the anticipation, just like Chris, you know, I'm like, I cannot wait. I want to be a dad. This is going to be amazing. We're going to have this beautiful little girl. Oh, it's going to be incredible. She's going to play football. It's going to be awesome, you know? And I could not wait to have this little girl. And I remember the first moment she cried. I just started crying. I'm like, this is the most beautiful thing ever. That first week, I might as well have watched 25 Hallmark movies. I was so soft, it was crazy. I was crying to Chick-fil-A, crying as I was taking out the garbage. I mean, like, this little girl changed my life. And that sounds great. And then reality set in. And a week later, I'm like, I'm going to go work out. Uh, you know, you got to wipe her butt and uh, put a new diaper on her because we have a kid now. Oh, okay. Now, I'm a, I'm a, I love adventure. I, I'm a thrill seeker. I'm independent. I love go. I'm spontaneous. So, so far up to this point, Maddie and I, we've gone on dates when we wanted to. We would go see movies when we wanted to. I'd go work out when I wanted to. We would do whatever we want. Man, my, did all my desires, it was incredible. And then all of a sudden, this little girl is in our house and all of a sudden I can't do anything I want to do anymore. And I, I know it's funny right now, but I'm being serious. I legit got sad. I, I couldn't do what I wanted to do anymore. I started feeling like trapped. I, I felt like, man, I love this little girl, but I kind of miss my old life. Just being honest. And Maddie and I, we get in the car. It's four months after she's born. We're going to go hang out with friends, which we haven't seen them in like a month. So it's like, it's great, you know? And we're like, oh, let's go walk around Lake Calhoun first. BD Moxica, whatever you want to call it. Whatever. And and she's crying the whole way in the car. Now, I don't know. For those of you who have kids, you could be talking about ice cream. And when the baby's crying, it turns into an argument. It's crazy. And my ears are like, deaf by the end of this car ride and we go into we get out we start walking around the lake she's still crying i mean people are taking out their headphones running like what is happening and maddie and i we start getting in a little argument and then i made a huge mistake and i told her i'm sorry okay just so you know i said i love our daughter but i'm struggling i'm missing my i'm missing our old life I'm missing the past seasons. I don't like this season that we're in. I'm I'm missing my past seasons. And she looked at me. She goes, well, your daughter and I are going to go to a coffee shop. You can go get the car and pick us up and get some space. I'm like, dang, okay. You know, I went to the car. I got it. You know, I pick them up. We get in the car. Nora's still crying. I put my AirPods in because I couldn't take it any longer. Praise God for AirPods. And I'm listening to music, trying to drown it out. And I just start crying. Nora's still crying. Maddie starts crying. Everybody's crying in the car. It says, it's like, man, it's like we did watch 25 Hallmark movies. It's unbelievable. We're all crying. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. Drake, I didn't die on the cross. Jesus didn't just die on the cross. So he didn't have to. He died on the cross to show you how. Pick your cross up. Stop complaining. Be the sacrificial leader that you're called to be. Lay your life down for your daughter and your wife. Give out your desires. You gave your life to me already. Surrender all of your, what you're struggling with. And it was in that moment, I just said it, whispered it out loud. I was like, I surrender. <sighs> In that moment, this weight was lifted off of me that i have been feeling for four months. Nora, a minute later, stopped crying. Maddie and I started holding hands. The fight was over, praise God. And all of a sudden, there was joy. The last two months of being a father has been the most joyful two months of my life. it been the most joyful two months of our marriage. <clears throat> so why do I tell you that story? Because surrender opens the door to joy. Jesus surrendered himself to the cross. It was through the cross and him surrendering that he received his joy of eternal eternal things. I think some of you in here are not joyful because you're still trying to control everything in your life and you have not surrendered. And my challenge for you at the end of service is to surrender your life to Christ, to repent of your sin and give it all to him. Stop trying to control your life and you'll start living it. That's what Jesus' will is for you. Paul teaches us also how to apply. Jesus showed us perspective on how to live out joy. Paul gives us action. So like when people are like, what do I do? Well, here it is. I'm going to give you what to do. And it's what Paul shows us. in in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. Rejoice It's to reclaim joy. Now here's what's so interesting about rejoicing is that what it's implying is that there's going to be seasons that come that push out joy. It's natural for joy to want to leave. And rejoicing is reclaiming the joy that you should have had and reclaiming it for yourself. It's reclaiming your perspective on eternal things. When seasons come in and dangle those temporary distractions in front of you, rejoicing is... Moving those aside and reclaiming joy on the eternal things that last forever, that your name is written in the book of life. Pray continually. I am almost 100% convinced that many Christians in America today do not live joyfully because their prayer lives are poor. Do you pray continually? I believe that if you were to change the routines and disciplines of your prayer life, it might unlock for you a life full of joy. And then Paul says to give thanks in every circumstance. Do you give thanks in every circumstance or only in the seasons like summer where everything is perfect? Oh, thank you, God, for summer. I love Minnesota winter. God, how could you do this to us? This is brutal. Where are you, God, right? Do you give thanks in all circumstances or in some? Do you pray continually? Do you rejoice always? Do you give thanks in all circumstances? Notice, continually, always. Con- I forgot the last one. Hold on one sec. There you go. Always, continually, in everything. That is the perspective of joy. And this is God's will for you. Not, to, not just to give you summer all the time. Now, I, I, know, I know right now, some of you, you've checked out this whole message because you're going... my bank account's great my life is great, my family's great I look great, everything about my life it's like summer all day long so I don't know if this applies to me well last time I checked there's hurricanes in summer too and there's tornadoes in summer you are not in control of your life you do not have control over what tomorrow will bring and just because your life is great right now I promise you seasons come and seasons go and if you think that everything's going well right now and that you're joyful can I challenge you to reevaluate what you're maybe thinking is joy and make sure that it's not you deceiving yourself that you're just happy because when the storms come will you be joyful then last thing how you respond in seasons will show you how will show people who you follow Your greatest witness may be your response to the circumstances and seasons you walk through. Do you share joy? Look, it's easy to talk about joy. It's easy for me to come on a stage and talk to you about joy. The question is, do I show you joy? Do you show people joy? It's one thing to talk. It's another thing to apply, discipline yourself, and do we're not just hearers of the word, we're doers of the word. Do you show joy to all of the rest of humanity by the way you respond in the seasons God puts you through? It might be the greatest observation they can see of what Jesus really looks like and like the Holy Spirit looks like in us. Why? Because it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a characteristic of God. Galatians five twenty two through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things, there is no law. Do you operate in this fruit, this characteristic of Jesus? Do you live joyfully? Joy is not seasonal, it's eternal. Do you have eternal perspective? I'll close with this story as we wrap up service. I have a really good friend of mine. His name is Jordan Bishop. And uh, I met him my, my junior, in between my junior and senior year of high school. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 17, radically transformed. He was not following Jesus, did not give a rip about anything to do with God. And all of a sudden, my senior year, he gave his life to Jesus. His life got changed. It was one of the most powerful transformations I've ever seen in a person, his heart, his mind, his soul. And we've had the same group text with about 12 of my high school friends since our senior year of high school. And now I'm 26. So it's been almost about eight to nine years. We had the same group text. It's called big boys. None of us are big. I don't know who named it that. All right. The big boy group text. All right. We've been texting for the last eight to nine years, encouraging each other in our faith, praying for each other. And my friend Jordan, he let us know one day in the group that his amazing mother Christy Bishop was diagnosed with cancer and it was a serious cancer and I I, the season that they are they were in and are in you would say there's no way you should have hope in this season there's no way there should be joy in this season there should be fear there should be anxiety there should be frustration there should be doubt there should be confusion this is a winter season but because joy is not seasonal and it's eternal I have watched this family you can put the picture up right now I have watched this family live a life of excess amount of joy I'm telling you an overflowing joy in the most winter of seasons in the hardest of seasons they have demonstrated that joy is not an emotion and it's not a season it's a perspective on eternity because their eyes are fixed on the king of kings their eyes are fixed on a finish line called heaven their eyes are fixed that their identity is in Christ and they'll be raised to life again and I got this text one day in our group text from my friend and he says just praising him right now for the good news that even though the future isn't looking the best for this type of cancer our God is a healer and is so powerful there is no reason as to why he can't heal this and leave the doctor speechless he mentioned that we're gonna have joy in this, whatever God's will is heaven or healing either way we gain what is your perspective and what are you living for? Are you living in joy? I want to pray for us right now. And then Pastor Joey's is going to come up and close the service. But I want to pray for those in here that you need joy. You need joy despite the season you're in. You need joy. So Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would place joy inside of every one of our hearts, that we'd fix our eyes on what is eternal, what lasts forever, what is important, and that we would set aside the temporary things so we can fix our eyes on you. I pray for joy to overflow in our hearts, that we would not just share joy and talk about it, but we would show it by the way we respond and live through every season. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen.